I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Prosper Insurance has an offer that's tough to beat and will benefit you one way or another. When you get a quote with Prosper Insurance, if they can't beat your home or auto quote, they will send you an official Washington football team legend jersey. Of course, if they do beat it, you'll be able to afford your own jersey or two. I can tell you from experience, the quote I received was $2,000 less than my previous insurer. It might not be like that for everyone, but why not find out? Finding the right insurance can be a pain, but Prosper makes it easy while providing great service and advice. Their licensed advisors shop the market with top companies like Allstate, Nationwide, Progressive, Travelers, and more to find you the perfect coverage at a great rate, which helps explain why Prosper has more than 1,000 five-star reviews on Google. You have nothing to lose. Simply visit prosper.insurance.com slash time to get your quote and a possible Washington football team legend jersey. That's prosper.insurance slash time, K-E-I-M. This offer is good from September 13th to September 30th. You know what else is cool? They plant a tree for every policy they write. That's more than 66,000 trees and counting. Get ready to feel good about your insurance. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by former Washington quarterback and current ESPN NFL analyst, Alex Smith, as we discuss Taylor Heineke, any lingering feelings toward the organization and what he's doing with Gatorade and their new GX sweat patch. Also, why he still likes Washington in the NFC East. If you missed my interview with Heineke's college coach, Bobby Wilder, give it a listen. Came out the other day, Wilder offered fantastic insight into his former player with whom he remains close. Nobody knows the Heineke story better than Wilder, except of course, Heineke's family and and Heineke himself, but you get my drift. I also have a story up now on ESPN.com about Washington's defense and the issues it's had through two games. A little summary here. In a nutshell, the lack of discipline is troubling. But what jumped out to me when I was watching the Bills' defense this week was how fast their linebackers play, especially compared to what we see in Washington. And it's not just about actual speed. I think it's about play speed, and there's a difference. And it's about recognition, familiarity in the system. You see see emotion. You see guys shifting in unison. You don't always see that here. And some of that is an experience with Jamin Davis. And some of it is just, again, recognition, familiarity, et cetera. They attack. I think Cole Holcomb can get to a certain level. I did like how Jamin Davis played against the Giants. He's the one who must ascend considering how high he was picked. And certainly there are some in the league who thought maybe he went too high. There's no doubt to me that he would have gone by early in the second round at the latest. In other words, he's a talent. Once he starts playing faster, it'll help his defense quite a bit. I love what John Bostic adds. He's a, he's a really good leader. He's super smart. But they obviously, I think, they need to upgrade. 
and they just don't have anyone on the roster right now who can play that spot. They needed to resign Kevin Pierre-Lewis, but this is an area that won't be fully solved until the offseason. Again, I do think Bostic has value. I think as a backup, I think he'd have really good value, um, but they need him as a starter, and I think that's you know, certainly something that's going to have to bear watching as they move forward. And listen, this defense can still be good with him out there. He's not the bane of all the issues, but it's an area where you say, okay, what's the difference between here and Buffalo? And I think linebacker is a big difference. They also need to get much more discipline, 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 excuse me, play out of safety landing Collins. There've been multiple examples of this in the first two games. He adds a physical presence at safety. You see the hit on Saquon Barkley last week and very few safeties are going to hit up and come up and pop a guy like that. He looks recovered from his Achilles injury. We said that this summer. We saw him breaking in the ball and driving on it. It's not about that at all. He's a, he's a good in-the-box safety. Some view that as a knock and because it's like, well, I can play everything. I view it as knowing who a guy is and using him accordingly so they play their best and help the team even more. And I, think, I think we'll eventually see that happening more and more. Um, there's, you know, I, I, that's what I think. So we'll see. There's been sloppy play all over. And the hard part is with the schedule they have, they'll get torched each week if they don't improve in this area. They are young. There are two key rookies play, or there are two rookies playing key roles, but they have enough experience without a doubt to be playing much better and smarter. I know Ron Rivera said he shows examples of what happens when the run fits are right. It's obvious. I see it too. It's not hard to see. And to just blame Collins or Bostic would be way off. Both have made their mistakes. They've also made some good plays, too, that they don't always get credit for. You see Bostic sometimes his recognition can be really good. But fans aren't going to see that because they're only going to see the mistakes. We saw certain issues, and, and I get that. But it's not like every play is bad by any means for both of them. It's just that when you're trying to look at what can improve, those are areas that can improve. But, again, it's not just them. On the Barkley 41-yard run, um, Cole Holcomb's got to pinch even more to his left and, and get that hole squeezed. And, and, and he knows that. And sometimes it's just a foot here or there that's making a big difference in their, whether it's in the alignments or in their you know, recognition, usually in the alignments because, you know, or just where they need, need to fit. And that's been a problem. Um, again, not just one. Rivera and Jack Del Rio have track records with defenses, so I'll trust that they improve. Again, it won't just be measured by the numbers because of who they faced. Just like last year was a little inflated because of who they faced and didn't face at quarterback. But they were still good, and they improved throughout the year. They gave up – they had early on, we saw the 30-point games, and they faced some good quarterbacks in that time, but they also had an offense that couldn't consistently move the ball, turn it over, or was bad on third downs. That adds up for a defense. Some of it is what happens when they face good quarterbacks. But the talent is there to be a lot better than what they've shown in the first two games. They know it. And even Rivera said if he didn't think that they could be good, if he didn't think it was fixable, he wouldn't be as frustrated because he would know this is who they are. This is not who they need. He knows that they should be a lot better. And I agree with him. Anyway, that's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Alex Smith. Is he surprised at all by Taylor Heineke? And has he talked to Ron Rivera since his comments last offseason? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. A wild week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week three game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KIME, that's K-E-I-M, to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Alex Smith. By the way, he gave a TED Talk recently about his journey, and it's, it's worth a listen. Anyway, let's get to the conversation. I want to start off with your former team and Taylor Heineke. Yep. yep. First of all, is there any surprise by you as to what he's shown in the first couple of games? No, absolutely not. In fact, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I said it last week on, on the, the podcast with Pablo. Uh, absolutely not shocked at all. Um, I think you've seen a guy play within himself, uh, ready for this opportunity, ready, ready to seize it. I don't think talent's ever been an issue with Taylor. He's a guy that, that has always been really talented. I remember hearing about Taylor as a young player in Minnesota, uh, undrafted, you know, and, and that, that, that he uh, was going to have a, a long career in this league. And so he's, he's had a tough road, a unique road. And I think it's, it's as tough as it's been on him at times you know, seeing him come in midseason last year off the couch and just, I think, for him to go about the business and be the professional that he was, was really good to see. Having been with Scott Turner for so long, also, I, I think, has its added benefits. He knows this system so well, and I think we're seeing that out there on the field. He's playing fast. He's decisive. Um, just does. He, he's not blinking. Uh, it was awesome to see that, you know, two-minute drive leading the team down to the winning field goal. And the stage isn't too big for him. I think he's grateful for this opportunity. I mean, the road he's been down, like I said, to, to be that unique, to, to kind of be out of football almost and, you know, roaring back like this. And now he's the starter for the Washington football team. Um, it's such a it's such an amazing story. And so I think to see him seize on it uh, is, is special. You know, I'm bummed for Fitzy. I think Fitzy right. was primed to, to really uh, have a great year. And I hope he does come back healthy. And, you know, obviously, I think it's important to have a deep quarterback room. Certainly Washington fans know that uh as, as well yeah. as anybody so excited for taylor though here yeah i don't what i watched on thursday night him playing really good football was certainly him just playing within himself uh and i think that's what it takes you know that it, it, that it's not too big for him he's going out there executing the offense letting those big plays come to him you know trusting his guys that he has around him so uh certainly rooting for him from afar i think the the nfc east is going to be a lot better than people think uh as a whole and and uh you know pump pump for him and the entire team going forward and I think the NFC East has shown a little bit too, and I'll get to that again in a minute too. But with with Taylor, 
did you see something behind the scenes when he got here? Because he was only here for about a month with you. But what did you see behind the scenes, whether the way he worked or anything like that, maybe that maybe stood out to you? Well, yeah, when he came in and he was even the quarantine quarterback, you know, Coach Rivera had him staying away from everybody, you know, so we'd be in the meeting rooms and he was in the back corner uh, hmm. by himself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just um, certainly there was a maturation as a pro. He'd been a pro for a long time, so uh, he was used to the schedule, used to everything. He didn't blink, certainly, with, you know, at that point, even a lot of the COVID protocols and stuff going on. Like I said, he knew the offense so well, uh, better, better than most of us in the QB room at that point, um, even. And then I think once he got in and his reps, I think that's where he really knew. He just, like I said, he just, he just didn't blink. It wasn't too big for him. You could tell he'd obviously very comfortable stepping into a huddle and getting up to the line of scrimmage and, and playing quarterback at a high level, playing fast, you know, his eyes and feet were really good. And and I, I think the foundation of playing a quarterback was there. So, yeah, it was apparent really quick when he did get his chances that, that he was ready for it. Can he be – you look at his size and his stature. He's not a big guy. He did add some weight. Can he be – I know durability is always a concern in this game, probably for anybody, but for him especially with that size, can he be a long-term solution? Yeah, I mean, injuries are such a fluky thing and yes. a crazy thing, and, and his have never been soft tissue, so we're not talking about those kinds of issues. Um yeah, I'm, I'm excited for him. Uh, you know, I, I I played a long time, never missing a game, and then you know dropped right. back and my, and my leg broke. You know, like it it you, you you can't put too much stock into some of that with his history. Yeah, well, I mean the proof's going to be in the pudding, but I absolutely I think he can get on a roll here and roll and and go along with the team. So I'm excited for him. Yeah, I don't I, I know that's been a big topic with him and his size. It certainly, it probably it probably always is with guys that are a little undersized. But I think that mold has kind of been broken, I think, over the years, seeing the you know, longevity of a guy like Drew Brees, Russell, Kyler, you know, these guys that, that aren't 6'4 and your old, you know, prototypical pro style build. Um, I absolutely think Taylor has the makings uh, to play week in and week out. With this defense, you faced it in practice last year. It was one of the better defense in the NFL. Not the kind of start they've wanted. What have no. you seen from this defense that maybe is – not clicking just yet. Yeah, I mean, I think they're finding their way. I think it, it does take time, too. I don't want, you know, I don't think anybody needs to overreact. They are really, really talented on that side of the ball. I think a lot has been made. Certainly that defensive line is one of the deepest and best in football. And there's been a lot of four-man rushes, you know, you, you, you see in the first couple of weeks and, and not necessarily getting home. So last week was better, I think. You know, I think we saw a step with that. I think it's a little bit every year in, year out. This defense is going to be different than last year. I think they do have to kind of find their identity as a unit, what they're good at, what they're going to hang their hat on. Um, it wasn't always going to just be pick up where he left off uh, last year. So I, I think the important thing is going to be able to see progress, see improvement week in, week out. I think that's going to be far more telling come December and January when it really gets important uh, is if this unit, I think, continues to improve and get better. When you, I know you, you brought the NFC East. You're bullish on the NFC East, and this team, you. It sounded like if I heard you right earlier that you felt like this team could be certainly a team that could win it. How do you assess yeah. it two games in? We're only two games in, but how would you assess it now? Have you altered your thoughts as to maybe who the team to beat is at this point, or, or what do you what do you think? No, I don't. I, I don't think I've changed my thoughts either way. I still think that, I still think the NFC East is a lot better than people are giving it credit for. I know last year was a bit of a mess for a lot of reasons, you know, three first year head coaches, 
in a year with COVID when there was no off season and a bunch of restrictions, I think kind of played into that losing Dak last year uh, played into that. But I think this year uh, the, the entire division's much better. Like I said, I'm, I was bummed for Fitz. I, I do think that, you know, like I said, he, I think he was playing in a lot of ways, the best football of his career uh, here these last few years. But I, I think to have a deep quarterback room like Washington has with Taylor, uh, with Kyle sitting there, I think is, is one of their strengths. And I think you're seeing it play out. I think they're going to roll. I, I think they have the most talented and deepest roster in the division. But yeah, it's, it, I think obviously seeing Dallas, Dallas is playing good football right now. Philly is playing good football as well. So uh, it'll be fun to watch, but I, I do think uh, when push comes to shove down the line, Washington, I think is going to, going to pull ahead. You got two more football questions than the Gatorade. First of all, how do you look back on your comeback now that you've stepped away from it? How do you look back at last year? What happened for you? Has it, has your perspective maybe not changed, but been enhanced by the distance that you've put between it now? Yeah, I'm so grateful for last year, you know, even as I chased coming back and, you know, getting back out on the field and there was a big part of me deep down that never thought it was ever going to happen. You know, uh, it just wasn't possible. And so for my recovery to have progressed that far and then all of a sudden to be back on a field playing and to have that opportunity uh, to get to play with a bunch of amazing teammates was so special and to go on that run at the end of the season and win the division to go five of one as a starter. And then I think for me to really, you know, especially once I did get, get to start uh, to finish my career like that mentally. I, I mean, I felt like I, there was no tomorrow for me. I wasn't thinking about anything else other than being in the moment and making the most of that opportunity and cherishing it. Um, and it was really fulfilling to end my career like that juxtaposed with how I started my career as the number one pick and carried a lot of weight and anxiety um, about playing and worried about what people were thinking about me. And it, and it was certainly a rough, rough sledding for me early on in my career, but to finish my career on the, on the flip side of that, you know, to play with that kind of freedom and focus uh, because I never thought I would, I, I thought it was over, you know, I thought it was gone. Um, and so again, to look back, I'm, I'm so grateful, uh, cherish it forever uh, last season and uh, it, it'll change my life going forward here on out. You know, I know I'm old, I'm old in, in football world, but for the rest of my life, I think to have that, to have conquered that um, moving forward, uh, I'll be better for it. And also, and, and I don't want to characterize this in a way because I don't know if frustration or annoyance or disappointment was whatever the right word is. But, you, you know, you talked about some comments after the season about maybe how things were handled here. And I think you caught some people here maybe by surprise. Was that what was that? What did that stem from? Was that more of a frustration, a disappointment or how would you characterize all that? Oh, it was incredibly frustrating when I was in it. Um, absolutely. To have everything that I feel like I had dealt with and was dealing with, um, to have to, to deal with that on top of it, absolutely was incredibly frustrating. I really did feel like I obviously w tried to work through it uh, as, you know, as best I could. And in hindsight, obviously, yeah, like I said, I'm so grateful that we were, we, we were able to work through it. Part of me, I think even vocalizing it were, were twofold. One, it was the truth. It's what happened. I also wanted to let people know out there that anybody else going through a similar circumstance, like th there's always going to be people that tell you you can't do something. I mean, here I was close to the finish line. <laughs> I mean, a marathon of recovery. And I had people there right in front of the tape trying to tell me that I couldn't, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's always going to happen. That's life. There's always going to be people out there like that. And I think it's important 
you know, in the face of that, I think to keep perspective. And for me, it was about that, knowing that everything I had been through, uh, that I could handle it, that I was ready for it. Certainly, obviously, trusting the doctors and the science uh, at that point, you know, that, that I got the clean bill of health from a team of surgeons uh, that said I could go do this. And so, so yeah, I, it wasn't bitterness or anything like that. I think it was more so I know how much other people had meant to me, their own recovery stories that were ahead of me, um, that planting the seeds of hope, you know, for me that I could go do this. And so for me to uh, wanting to be a kind of a link in that chain, uh, I feel like I, you know, owe it, you know, just for progress. And, and yeah, that, that, like I said, I think there's always going to be those kind of obstacles. There's always going to be that kind of adversity out there. Hey, did you, did you ever talk to, after some of those comments with like GQ, did you ever talk to Ron or Dan or anything like that? Any conversations? Oh yeah. I, I, I had several conversations with Ron. Ron and, and I how was that? Down. How were those? Multiple times. Great. Great. They were great. Uh, I think, I mean, Listen, I get it was a crazy, complicated, uh, unheard of situation. And so I I definitely understand that. So I don't want people to think that I don't. I I, I get that that it was complex and and difficult to work through at the same time. I think Ron and I obviously both learned a lot through it. And and, uh, so, yeah, he and I um, sat down multiple times after the season um, and had great conversations about, I think, what had transpired uh, and, and, and I think moving forward. Cool. And then um, let's get to the Gatorade. So le- what what are you doing with, you You talked to the Mission Viejo players today, the Gatorade yeah. uh, GX patch. Tell people what's going on with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this is the first of its kind. It's actually, I think, uh, such an amazing breakthrough. Um, I think if people knew, this was something that was reserved only for the most elite athletes in the world to go get sweat tested. Um, I'd been sweat tested a few times in my career, uh, been sweat tested at Washington. And, and it was, it, it, like I said, it used to be reserved for the, the highest, the high, the best of the best athletes. And it was a, it was a long process. It was laborious. Like what you had to do, put these patches all over your body. Obviously. Um, I remember having to get on a treadmill, this giant mask on my face. You're, you know, you're working out for 20 to 30 minutes. They send these patches off to a lab it takes, you know, a couple of weeks later, you get your information back. Uh, now with Gatorade and the breakthrough, I think of this wearable technology, you slap this thing on, you go do your workout, you go do your practice, whatever you're doing grab your phone and scan it and you immediately have your personalized hydration information, what kind of sweater you are, your own sweat profile and what you need moving forward. Um, I think people will be surprised by how many differences there are out there uh, from person to person, depending on what we're doing, what kind of activity level it is. Um, So now anybody, including professional athletes, but including my, you know, my kids who play soccer on the weekend um, can slap one of these on and, and get personalized information back. So uh, I think it's absolutely awesome. I think it's uh, valuable information for everybody out there that is active, that's sweating, that's working out or playing a sport and uh, definitely recommend them going out and trying it out. Awesome. So, it sounds pretty cool because I was reading up on that and it was it's amazing what it can tell you just based on reading that patch. Yeah, it's so easy and simple. And like I said, it was something that it, it was it was a big process not that long ago you know, to get this kind of information. And, and like I said, reserved for, for only the most elite now for anybody out there that wants to, wants to get it, uh, can, and, and it's, it's as easy as obviously the, the, the click of your phone and app on your phone. So very, very cool. Alex, thanks a lot. I know you're a busy guy. Thank you for your time. Yeah, John. Thanks. Take care.
That's it for this episode. Thanks to Alex Smith for joining me. Check out his, his stuff with Gatorade. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll have a preview of the game Friday with our ESPN Bills reporter, plus my predictions and hopefully a quick chat with the player. Talk to you next time.